We are going through the book of Hebrews. As Paul is exhorting and preaching to Hebrew Jewish people who were born of the Spirit of God that God had brought into the church, and he's explaining to them through the Old Testament the things that were pinned beforehand of the Christ of God, the Messiah, the Savior of God's people. He begins chapter 3 with wherefore. This is why. Because of this. He had just told them the first two chapters about Christ, the magnificence of the Christ of God, the anointed Savior, the Son of God, the Creator of heaven and earth, and all things entail. And what the Gospel delivers to us in revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 3 says, Wherefore? Because I've told you this, because this is delivered unto you, I want you to consider these things, he says, that I'm about to teach you from the Old Testament. Because these were Jewish brethren. They were brethren to Paul by nature, but calling them holy brethren, they are born of the Spirit of God. They're brethren in unity with the Spirit of Christ which flows from breast to breast in the church of God and in the preaching of the Gospel. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. The Jew full well knew and understood election. They had been taught that from day one. Going back to Deuteronomy 7, the Lord did not choose thee, nor set His love upon thee, because thou was greater than any other people, for thou was few in number, but because He loved thy fathers. They knew election. They had been chosen as the elect of God in the law service to manifest the power of God to choose a people, to love a people, to save a people, and to carry a people. And God carried them many places. And God saved them from their enemies and from themselves, drove out the inhabitants of Canaan, that they, by the grace of God, could inherit the promise which God promised to Abram of her the Chaldees. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. This call is a heavenly calling. This call is a call from God in heaven above. It is through Christ, the Son of God. We've said this many times. Man could not approach unto God. Adam was driven from the presence of God. God calls us back into His presence. Sin cannot exist before God. We are sinners by our very conception. We are sinners by our very existence because we're fallen in Adam. So Christ 
died for our sins. Christ saved us from our sins. Christ made us, if you love God, and I know you do, He made us holy and without blame before God the Father in love. Therefore, we may approach unto God. We are brought to God in Christ. This is a heavenly calling. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, for you see your calling, brethren. Don't take this upon yourself. You're called of God. You're chosen of God. You're saved in Christ. God calls you to Himself by giving you life. And God calls you to conversion and into the church by the preaching of the Gospel. And He says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, you're accustomed to knowing the elect of God. You're accustomed. You've been taught that God called Abram and God changed him to Abraham just as God calls you and God changes you and God promised him the land of Canaan, the holy land, and God brings you into by calling you the holy land, which is the church of God today, the church of Christ, the Gentile church, where Jew and Gentile alike are brought into the church of God. The heavenly calling from God above. Consider, consider, because of what I have taught you, because of teaching you of the Christ of God, the glory of God, the royalty, the throne, the Son of God sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high, the man in the body, all man, all God, Jesus Christ. Because of this, wherefore, consider the Apostle and High Priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. You are being tempted and drawn back to the law service by your brethren according to the flesh. He's going to teach them as we go through this chapter. When God delivered Israel from Egypt which is a type of depravity. When God delivered them and brought them across the Red Sea by His mighty hand, when He parted the Red Sea, never been done before, and they crossed over dry shod, this is the hand of God. God delivered them. God brought them across just as God brings you into this land. Consider Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, that rock that followed them from whence they got the water was Christ. We've mentioned this going through here, the fire, the pillar of fire that guarded them, protected them, gave them light, that was Christ. The pillar of a cloud that shaded them from the elements a type of Christ. Not only a type of Christ, but Christ Himself. The Bible teaches that. 
Paul says, consider the apostle. The apostle, the word means one sent. One sent. The Lord Himself called His apostles. There were twelve because twelve is a number of completeness. Fullness. He called them, enabled them, and sent them, one sent, to lay the foundation of the church which Christ was built in this place, which is not our home, that we would have a kingdom in which to worship God in spirit and truth. They were apostles. He is the shepherd. They were under shepherds. Christ is the apostle. He is a prophet. Deuteronomy 18.15 that God would raise up that His children would hear. For they did not listen to Moses, many of them. But they would hear Christ. The Scripture teaches us the same Gospel preached to us was preached to them, but they received it not. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith. And faith is a fruit of the Spirit. God gives you faith. Christ is the Apostle. Christ was sent from God the Father as God the Son was made flesh. He came. He was sent of God. This is the will of God. This is the purpose of God. That His Son would be born into this world in the body of a man, all man, in the likeness of sinful flesh, yet without sin to work the work the Father gave Him to do. He raised the dead. He touched the bier of the, the buyer, the coffin of the widow who had no husband and now her only son was dead and gave Him life. And He raised the dead in the sense of you hath He quickened who were dead in trespass and in sin. God sent Him to save His people from their sins. That work is complete. That work is finished. God, eternally speaking, God sent Him to heal the sick He would heal the blind, the deaf. He has given us the ability to see by quickening us and giving us eternal life. And eternal life is the knowledge of God revealed to thee in Christ. John 17, 3, 4, 5 through there. He gave us the ability to hear as He healed the deaf. He gives us the ability by writing His law upon our hearts. 
that we may have life and hear and know and understand. He sent His apostles to preach the Gospel, to lay the foundation of the church, Christ and Him crucified. Throughout everything we preach, we never see anything where any man has ever had anything to do with salvation and eternal life. It's a gift of God and Christ. He saved us from our sins, therefore He's brought us to God. We have eternal life and living in this world, even being in the church and the kingdom of God, God translates you and that is God's work for it is God which worketh in you both to will and do His own good pleasure. Your good works are from the fruit of the Spirit of God. Christ was sent to do these things. Christ was sent to fulfill the law and the prophets. Our Apostle sent from the Father He fulfilled everything written in the law and the prophets upon the cross of Calvary to a jot and a tittle. We spoke about that last week. He fulfilled it. It is done. It is finished. Paul says, consider the apostle, he who was sent from God and high priest. Now there's going to come a time if we get through this enough, we're going to delve deeper into the high priest. But you must understand, the high priest was chosen of God. Moses told the Lord, I am of slow speech. Moses' tradition records, stuttered, had a hard time speaking. God said, Aaron thy son shall be thy tongue. That shows us Aaron being a type of Christ and the Levitical priesthood being a type of the ministry. God gave it in Christ. God speaks to you and us through the ministry. God chose Aaron. We believe that going through the articles of faith that no man has a right to administer the oracles of God except those who are called of God as was Aaron. God calls His apostles. I know very educated men in my life and today who preach the Gospel with eloquence and a smooth tongue and teach God's children. I know men who... Or rough, can we say Peter, James, John, the sons of thunder, who are rough, live hard lives, and God calls them from themselves to preach the gospel that is in Christ for His glory. And they are the priesthood. Yet Aaron was the high priest. The high priest. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, pointing to cross, pointing to Calvary, pointing to Christ, would enter the holy place where no man could enter except the one man. You think about that. One man out of all Israel, one man could approach into the Holy of Holies and offer a sacrifice 
first for himself because he was a sinner, and then for Israel because they were all sinners. And these are God's people manifested to us as God's people, teaching us of our need of a Savior, yet our Savior need not offer sacrifice for Himself, for the high priest is the apostle of God who was Christ the Lord, who entered into the holy place made without hands once, once, not once a year, but once to cleanse us from our sins. The high priest did this once a year. Once a year, I heard it said when I was young that it rolled your sins forward another year. No, 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 no. It brought to remembrance that we are sinners. That we had to have a Savior. That blood had to be shed for He carried the blood within the tabernacle. So someone had to die. Christ the Apostle was sent to die for the children of God. And you bear this in mind as I go through here. When I say sons of God, I mean every elect child of God, whether they're in the womb, whether they're 200 years old, whether they're male, whether they're female. For we're all sons of God in Christ. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest. He who sacrificed himself as the Lamb of God of our profession. That's an important part. That is so important. Our profession. What are we to do, child of God? These people were brought up under the law. They were taught under the law their whole life. Christ has come into the world. Christ has been sent of God. Christ as the high priest has paid our sin debt. He shed His blood for us. Do we go back to the law? Paul told those brethren in Galatia, if you return to the law, you've fallen from grace. That does not mean you fell from the elect of God. That does not mean God removed His love from upon you. That means that you have fallen from the knowledge and the worship and the service of grace and returned to the law. If you you cleave to the law and worship under the law and justify yourself by the law and live by the law, in temporally speaking, you will be judged by the law. I do not want the law. I cannot fulfill the law. I am a sinner. Give me grace. Dear Lord, I pray. Our profession, they professed Moses. Our father Moses gave us the law. And they professed Abraham as their father. Justifying themselves by the law. Back in Deuteronomy 18, where the Lord said He would raise up a prophet. They looked for a prophet to come, but the Jews by tradition believed that the prophet that would come would be less than Moses. For they set Moses the greatest of all. Paul is saying, consider our apostle and high priest of our profession 
When God has revealed Himself unto you, when God has enabled you and caused you to see Christ upon the cross of Calvary, the holy, righteous Son of God, without sin, yet His body becoming sin for us, and all the sufferings of the Christ of God. When God has revealed that to you, and you see that love and that sacrifice and that grace and that mercy, do you, brethren, profess the law again? Our profession is in Christ who loves us, who has always loved us, who came to the sin-cursed earth. What a sacrifice that was just to be in this world, the Holy Son of God without sin, yet being born in this world of darkness and sin and sorrow. That is a great in my mind, to torment itself. And then to suffer, bleed, and die. Our profession is in Christ. When we come to the river Jordan, we come to be baptized. That is our profession to Christ. It's not to be washed of our sins. Because the blood of the Lamb of God cleansed us from our sins. It is to have a good conscience before God. And going into that watery grave, we show the death, burial of Jesus Christ. And coming forth, we show His resurrection. And there is a saving in that because it is the profession of Christ. Consider the Apostle and High Priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to Him that appointed Him. The Son was faithful to the Father. He is the Son of God. He is eternal. We've covered that. I don't have to go over that again right now. He is the eternal Son of God of God without beginning, without end. In the flesh, coming into this world, bearing witness to God. Now, 1 John 5 says there are three that bear record in heaven. Father, Word, and the Holy Ghost. Christ has always been faithful to God because through eternity, without beginning, without end, He's always been the second person of the Godhead. He's always been the Son of God. Therefore, He's always bore witness to God. And He's always been faithful in bearing witness to God and the Godhead eternally. But here in this world, the apostle and high priest, our apostle, our high priest, He was faithful to Him that appointed Him. Catch that word, appointed. This was not by chance. Christ didn't come into the world because everybody was a sinner and the Lord out of desperation sent Him here. This was the eternal purpose of God in Christ Jesus. He was faithful to Him that appointed Him. He kept the law to a jot and a tittle. He saved His people from their sins. He raised the dead. He healed the sick, the blind, the deaf. He bore our infirmities. He took our diseases. 
He finished that work and sits at the right hand of the Majesty on high because His work here is finished. It's complete. He was faithful to Him, God the Father, that appointed Him. He would not have been received back into heaven had He not finished the work the Father gave Him to do. As also He was faithful to Him that appointed Him, as also Moses was faithful in all His house. Moses was a servant of God. Moses was called of God. Well, just consider the story of Moses that the Scripture records. Born at a time when the male children were all put to death, put in the river in an ark of bulrushes. Just coincidentally, I don't think so, found of Pharaoh's, was it his daughter, handmaids, found him, brought him, raised up in the house of Pharaoh and all the riches of the world until the time that God had appointed when he was 40 years old that God touched him, revealed Himself to him in Christ. He was a servant to God. You bear this in mind now. Moses spent 40 years in the desert because he slain an Egyptian. That made Moses 80 years old when God called him to lead his children, his people, out of the bondage of Egypt. Think you're too old? No. He was faithful to God, Moses. He was flesh and blood. He was a sinner. He had his own doubtings and denials. God was merciful to him as He is to us. But he was faithful to God to lead them out of Egypt. The Bible says by faith the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Brethren, there was one man there that had faith when God parted the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army bearing down with them trapped. And that was the man Moses, the servant of God who was faithful to God. He was faithful in the law. He made everything God instructed according to the pattern that was shown unto him in Christ by God the Father when he was upon the mount. Moses was faithful in all his house. Moses said, Moses could not enter into the promised land. But Moses was a type of the law, and the law will not bring you into the promised land. Joshua of the tribe of Ephraim, the word means Savior, just like Jesus. Joshua represents grace. By the way, David, the eighth son of Jesse, was an Ephraimite. 
Joshua brought them into the promised land. That's from law to grace, okay? Teaching you how you got there. But my point is who was faithful to Him that appointed Him, Christ was faithful as also Moses was faithful in all His house. Christ was faithful. Moses, a man, was faithful to all that God commanded and appointed Him to do. And Christ, our Apostle, our High Priest, is totally faithful to the Father. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Moses desired to see the glory of God. And here's the type of Christ. God said, I'll pick you up and put you in the cliff of the rock. And I'll cover thee with my hand. Now brethren, there's the church. For God has lifted you up. God has translated you into the kingdom of God. God has covered you with His hand. And He protects you. There's a hedge in Christ around you. Moses desired to see the glory of God. God said, No man shall see my face and live, but thou shalt behold my hinder parts. And Moses saw God, and Moses shone with the glory of God. For he saw the glory of God. When God would commune with Moses, and the glory of God would come down upon His tent, the temple, the ark. And the children of Israel could see that, and they feared. God glorified Moses, okay? Moses had no glory of his own. Pharaoh thought he had glory of his own. Where did that take him? God glorifies His people. Whom He justified, them He also glorified. God glorified Moses in the eyes of His people. Moses, whom they worshipped, had glory. Christ, this man, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses because He is the Creator of the heaven and the earth. Because He is the One who breathed life into the nostrils of man and formed Him from the ground. He is the Son of God. He is the Word of God. He is the Creator of all things. Let's go further. He is the Creator of the new creature. In Him we have life. In Him we're reborn. In Him we're born again. People, well, I'm born again. I chose to be. No, you did not. You did not. Do not blaspheme God. Christ gave you life. You are born of the Spirit of God by the hand of God and by the will and sacrifice of Christ Jesus. Who is worthy of more glory than Moses. For He laid His glory aside to come into this world as the Apostle to be our High Priest. And as much as He who hath built the house, the church, hath more honor than the house. Moses was a servant to God. While Christ was a servant, mentioned that last week, my servant, mine elect, whom I uphold, the Christ of God, the man Christ Jesus. 
Yet He was a Son. For He is the Son of God. Every house is builded by some man, but He that built all things is God. Christ built the house. For upon this rock will I build My church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church of God in this world. You are living stones. Remember going through Peter? We are all placed in place by Christ. We're living stones. We're the house of God, a habitation of God through the Spirit, for your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Every house is built by some man. I rode through Moody yesterday. There's a lot of houses there my daddy built when I was 12, 13 years old. My sister lives in one of them now. All those houses are there. They are standing. If you'll consider this in the eyes of a carpenter's son, they are standing there as a tribute to the men who built them. But the church is built by God in Christ. And it is to be a tribute to Christ and pay honor and glory unto Him. For He built the church. He builds the church, adding daily such as should be saved. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house in the law as a servant, a servant of God, a servant to God for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. He was faithful to God in the law, the law and the prophets, all a type and a shadow of better things to come of the Christ who would be born in the world and all those sacrifices and all those animals that were killed and all all that gave their life and their blood and died and were no more were a type and shadow of the Christ, the high priest, the apostle sent from God who would die upon the cross of Calvary laying His life down for His people. But brethren, He raised it up again for He was the fulfillment of all that was contained in the law and the prophets. For we were sinners and still are until we're cleansed. And even then, as long as we live in this body, we're sinners. We needed a Savior. And God provided in the Christ of God. Moses was faithful in his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after the law and the prophets. But Christ, as a son over his own house, Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm in the end? Okay. You remember leading up to coming to Hebrews, we spent a couple of weeks and we talked about David and Solomon. And David desiring to be, build a house for God. And God, David was put in a type of God the Father. For God told him, Thy son shall build me a house. And that was Solomon who was a type of Christ. And all the things that were brought into the promised land from outside showing us the Gentiles, 
Solomon building the house, the son of David, Christ, the son of God, over his own house, the Gentile church, where every child of God, Jew and Gentile alike, will stand in heaven in immortal glory, not as the militant church fighting the good fight of faith in this world, but in heaven in immortal glory above, worshiping and serving God forever in that eternal house made without hands. Christ as a Son over His own house. Who does it belong to? Him. As my Father hath appointed unto me a kingdom, I appoint unto you a kingdom. It's His. All things are by Him and for Him. Whose house are we? Because the Spirit of God dwells within you. And then we see the rest of this verse, which confuses many Armenians, and they will put this as being your work. Your work, and it's not your work, it's God's work. But Christ is the Son over His own house. His house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. He's telling you, remember these are Jewish brethren under the law, taught to keep the law, Paul of Pharisee the Pharisees, holy, is touching the law, righteous, thinking he was, and then he knows Christ and realized all that was nothing It's grace. So he's telling them, if God has worked a work within you, and you hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm of the end, when a child of God is born of the Spirit of God, God places the knowledge of God in us that is eternal life. No matter how far we go in life, no matter how far we sink down, no matter how miserable we become, we are born of God, and somewhere at some time that knowledge of God and that hope of eternal life will give us rejoicing. It may be at the point of death when you've lived such a miserable life and you loathe and hate yourself. Been there, done that. But at some point in life, that knowledge of Christ, that hope firmly planted within you. Paul's telling these brethren who justified themselves under the law before being born of God and translated into the kingdom of God. If this hope is within you, it's there from God. Wherefore is the Holy Ghost saith, Today, this day, a lot of debate over what day that was. I see that as today. That's not today written as one word. That's today. This moment, this time, as we live, as we breathe, as we fight the good fight of faith, as we're surrounded in this world by darkness, sin and sorrow, temptations, persecutions, and they certainly were by their own brethren being Jewish and leaving the law service. Today, if ye 
will hear His voice. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Let me see if I can get some of this. Numbers. Numbers 14. Let's consider this. I'm going to try to spend the rest of the time here. If God will bless. Then it will not be enough time. Consider who He's talking to. Jewish brethren in the church of the New Testament. They're all familiar with this. They've all been taught this. They all know this. They will come down to the promised land in Numbers 13 and 17. Moses sent them to spout the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up unto this way southward and go up unto the mountain. You see it's going up because it's a land of promise. And see the land where it is and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak or few or many. And what? the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first fruit of grapes. The time had come that Moses was going to be die, that God would take his body and bury him himself. And Joshua would lead them over. Moses sent men to spy the land. He sent the heads of Israel. And there would have been twelve, because that's a number of completeness, and there were twelve tribes. Joshua and Caleb among them. They went into the land and they spied it out. They saw and carried clusters of grapes that were so huge and so great that they had to put them on staves, on poles like they did the ark. And two men, one on each end, to carry these great Clusters of grapes. How fruitful was the land. This land today, brethren, is fruitful when we occupy it and God blesses. There were pomegranates and there were figs. That's verse 23. When they, verse 26, came back to Moses and to Aaron and to the congregation of Israel, and when they were asked about the land, the men, except for Caleb, except for Joshua, talked about the greatness of the land how their cities were walled. Fortresses have walls. 
how they were greater than them and armed greater than them and mightier than they and how the Anakites were there and they were so much bigger and greater than them that they appeared as grasshoppers in their own sight, the Israelite sites, viewing themselves as small to these people. Let me tell you, child of God, you're not small. You're giants to God, for God loves you. And how small they appeared to the Anakites. The world may look on us small, stupid, old-fashioned, whatever. But in the eyes of God, you are the greatest. This is why the world is still here. Because the children of God are still here. And again, in the last promised heir, if God is born of the Spirit, this world will exist no more. We cannot take this land. We cannot conquer this land. We're afraid of this people. Would to God we died in the wilderness. Would to God we'd have died in Egypt. There were two men who talked about the fruit of the land and the people and said, We can take them. And that was Joshua and Caleb. Two of all Israel. God has always reserved just a few, just a couple in this world to bear witness to His power and His majesty and His grace which is in Christ the Lord. We can take them for the Lord our God will fight for us, and they murmured against God in disbelief, and they murmured against Moses, and they murmured against Aaron. God told Moses, Get thee out of the way, I'll consume them, and make of thee a people. Moses told them, Do not rebel against the Lord. As we come on through here, They murmured against Moses about all the people being killed and their wives and their children being killed. And by the way, if you stop and consider, that is exactly what happened in A.D. 70. The Bible says, For the elect's sake, those days should be shortened. That's regarding Matthew 24, regarding the destruction of Judea the end of that age, of that world, and the coming in of the New Testament church of grace and and Christ people in this world in grace. So when he says, for the elect's sake, those days should be shortened. The elect were the children of God like these Hebrews that Paul is speaking to. For this was in A.D. 66 and A.D. 70 the destruction had not yet come. That God would give them the knowledge to leave the city and flee into the mountains. When you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, flee into the mountains, that God would remove them before He destroyed the city. And then their wives and their children were slain. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers under the children of the third and fourth generation. That was in the law. We find 
in verse 26, the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, How long shall I bear this evil congregation which murmur against me? I've heard the murmuring of the children of Israel with a murmur against me, saying to them, As truly as I live, said the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. Forty years they were made to wander in the wilderness. So that every man who was 20 years old and upward would die in the wilderness. They would never see the promised land. They would never reach the promised land. They would never come into that kingdom of God because of unbelief. Hebrews, Paul says, let's lay aside the sin that just so easily beget us. Unbelief. Brother, we live in a nation of unbelief. They had the jeopardy the other day. I saw this on the computer. They asked the question, which they have very little Bible questions on jeopardy anymore. But they were quoting from the Lord's Prayer, what be, this is our Father which art in heaven, what be thy name? How be thy name? None, none of the three contestants knew that that word was hallowed be thy name. We live in a godless society because most of God's Children are led astray and do not believe because they haven't been taught and they don't know because nobody's taught them of the power and the glory of our Apostle and High Priest. You can't make a child of God, but when God has given one birth of the Spirit, God's enabled them to be taught. That's why He said, teach these things unto thy sons and thy sons' sons. And that's why He told the ministry to preach the Gospel to every creature. That doesn't mean dogs and cats and lizards. That means to every nation, every family, every kindred, every tribe, every tongue. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from twenty years old and upward which have murmured against me. Doubtless you shall not come to land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Two people. Two men in Israel. Let me have you understand something. You're here because God loves you. You're here because God has revealed Himself unto you. You love God because He first loved you. God gives you truth in His Spirit by writing His law upon your inward parts. God gives you truth in the preaching of the Gospel. If you did not come and you did not sit in the assembly of the saints and you did not hear the Gospel, you would not have the depth of the knowledge that God blesses you to have in being here and having peace in your hearts. Two people among all Israel. Brethren, you are just a few. You are just a few of the blessed remnant that God preserves in this dark, pitiful earth. 
You are not in unbelief. You have peace in your hearts. This is why we worship God. He's so good to us. He loves us. Our carcass is not going to fall out there in the wilderness. We're here in the hand of God. We're here in the hand of Christ. And no man can pluck us out. We don't murmur against God. We don't fall in unbelief like many in the world. We're not worried about who's sitting on the evil throne in D.C. We're not worried about the foolishness of our government. And the things they do, we're not worried about those that call evil good and good evil. We don't care about those things. God fights our battles for us. God will handle it. God will turn them upside down. And their own work shall consume them. We stand seeking the kingdom of God and Christ. lot there. We'll get to it some other time. Wherefore? Well, I'll close with these verses and come back. Wherefore? As the Holy Ghost saith, today, this day, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, today if you will hear His voice, you hear it by the preaching of the Gospel by the Spirit of God. That's what He's telling these Jewish brethren. Do you hear His voice? You're not listening to the law of Moses or Anais, Caiaphas. You're listening to the minister that God sent. His words are God's words, for God feeds him. I pray every time I come down here or speak before God's people, do not let me have my words, Lord. You speak through me what You would teach them. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation and the day of temptation in the wilderness. I'll close with that. But as you see, their hearts were hardened. They wanted to go back what God to what God took them from. The comforts of Egypt, even though they were in bondage and made to toil and their sons were being killed. They wanted to go back to it. That's the nature of fallen man. That's depravity. They had rather, they were so afraid of taking the land of Canaan that God promised them after seeing the parting of the Red Sea and the power of God, they were so afraid in unbelief that they'd rather died in the wilderness, and they did, many of them. Belief. You have a belief in God because God puts it there. The more you read, the more you study, the more you worship, the more you're in church, fellowship together, 
Three is stronger than one. Two is stronger than one. Five is stronger than two. Here together, the more we grow, we don't stand in unbelief. We believe. There's a reason John said, I write unto you that believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. A lot of people believe that He is the Christ. But they don't know truly what the Christ is. They don't realize truly the purpose of God. They don't realize completely what lies ahead in glory and how this world is nothing but a blink of an eye in this time that we live. And how shortly we shall be with Him in glory. And how wonderful that will be. You see, brethren, believing that He's Christ is just the beginning. Believing that He's Christ. Believing that He's faithful. Believing He's the high priest. Believing He was sent from God. Believing that He delivers us daily. And believing that one day very soon we shall be with Him in glory. 